It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show. On this final Saturday in this month, where did the time go? It went. It just went everywhere. And to further speak of time, um, our show is going to start airing starting next Saturday, a week from today. We will be airing from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Same channel, same station, same show. We're just going to do a time change. So you'll be able to hear the show from 3 till 4 p.m. Pacific time right here in Las Vegas on this station. So we just want to give you that little housekeeping note here. And to say hello, hope you're doing well. Did you have a good week? Mine was crazy. I had the craziest week. It was just so much crazy stuff going on. It was it was guests canceling and rescheduling, which happens quite a lot. Sometimes when we do uh, best of shows, we'll, we'll sometimes air a rerun, a repeated show from previous times. And a lot of times we, we have to do that because some of the guests who are scheduled to call in something happens. I mean, these are high profile, very busy people. And so things happen. And we have to just go, Oh, man, so we have to, we just have to run a best of show. But that a lot of that happened last week with guests canceling. I mean, they didn't cancel permanently. It was just, you know, reschedules and things of that nature. Then I had uh, issues with my cell phone. What's up with that? Then it was, you know, just like it's one of those weeks where it's just one thing after the other, after the other, after the, just too much. But in spite of all of that, I made it to Saturday. I'm here. I'm here. You are here. And that is what counts the most. And we have this great weather. It seems to me every day in Vegas has great weather. Every single day to me is great weather. I just feel so badly for people on the East Coast and you know, the Midwest, the Deep South, uh, you guys have been slammered, hammered. It's just been pretty bad. But come on out here to Vegas with us while our, the uh, the winter is ending up in your area. Just come over here with us and gamble and, and drink and eat and gamble some more and just, you know, do it all over again. Hit repeat. We would love to have you here. Yeah, we would love that. Well, anyway, um, that's kind of sort of what's been going on with me and... I got my hair done, which is a big event in my life because it just is. Uh, but anyway, let's get, let's take a break. Let's take a break. And then we'll come back because our first guest should be um, calling us shortly here. Our first guest is a uh, Las Vegas, uh, <clears throat> not native, 
excuse me there. He's, um, I'll tell you more about it. I'll, I will let him tell us all about him, but he grew up primarily here in Las Vegas. He's a very talented actor and he's starring in a new movie that just opened yesterday. So when we come back, I'll bring my first guest on board and we'll talk more to him. You are listening to Film Festival Radio with me, Janice Malone, and we will be right back. Hey, I'm Sherry Shepard, and you're listening to Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone. Okay, everybody, we have our first guest on board here. Uh, he's a very talented actor. His name is Alex Kirsting, and Alex happens to be right here in Vegas. Now, Alex, I understand, is Vegas your, your hometown? You grew up here, is that correct? Uh, no, no, I didn't grow up here, but I did graduate high school out here. Um, I've been out here basically since my sophomore year of high school, and I haven't really left except for work. Well, so we're, um, we're going to. Uh, I'm definitely a Vegas local. You're a Vegas local, which is rare for us because we talk to so many people who are from everywhere, but we got a Vegas local. Uh, guest here, and that's always good. So, okay, so Alex, I understand that you are the star of a new film titled Butter, <laughs> and what a great title, and it just opened yesterday, uh, and it's playing here in Las Vegas at the Galaxy Cannery 14. So, tell us, what is Butter, and how did this all come about? How did you get in Butter, and what is Butter, the film, all about? Uh, well, I guess short and simple answer is Butter is basically just this coming-of-age story very much inspired by John Hughes, the John Hughes films of the 80s, like Breakfast Club, you know, Sixteen Candles, that type of thing. But it tackles um, bullying, cyberbullying, and a bunch of other um, necessary topics that need to be discussed before uh, things get out of hand. Um, this uh, My character, Butter, um, has been bullied and ignored and just has been isolated his entire life and he's sick and tired of it. So he does something very dangerous and very stupid in saying that he is going to live stream his final meal on New Year's Eve. And that post happens to go viral at his high school and suddenly he gets bombarded by this newfound popularity. And now it's a question of, should he go through with it or... Are they, are, they, are they cheering him on so that he does go through with it, or are they cheering him on so he doesn't? And can he live with the consequences either way? Hmm. And in today's culture, unfortunately, when it's something serious like that, you do have to say, are these people for me hurting myself, or are they against it? Because that's just how crazy our society is. It's so silly. But I'm glad this film is addressing uh, these very serious social issues here. So, okay, the film opened up uh, yesterday, the 25th. So, was there a big red carpet or how? I mean, I know about COVID, of course, but a lot of celebration uh, or, or what? <laughs> uh, there was a little bit of a celebration. Um, me and my family, my wife, parents and all them, we went to the cannery um, early and just kind of hung out at one of the bars over there before uh, our show time. We went to, I think, the 7.15 showing was when it started. Um, just because we'd seen the movie. We, we, everyone in that group had basically seen the movie before, and then we invited a bunch of other people who hadn't, and all we were really doing was hanging out and waiting for the theater to open up so we can you know, enjoy some butter-covered and coated <laughs> popcorn and 
all that goodness. Uh, after the movie was over, did um, anybody there recognize that was you that's in the film? Um, it, there's, there's a handful of people, but a lot of people, they, they were aware that I was in the movie in the first place. They just hadn't really seen it yet because it was limited to festivals for a while or we had very, very t uh, selected, like, very, very small sample audiences to, like, test it out, see what worked and what didn't. So they, some of them hadn't really seen the full thing, but so they, they knew I was around, they knew, they knew I was in it, they just didn't know the scope of everything in it. So they, they were, I got a lot of good feedback. Okay, that's what counts the most. Good feedback, and they were in the movie theater, and that's what counts. So you were there watching. You. What, what is it like when you watch yourself on the screen? I know some actors don't like seeing themselves on screen or television. What about for you? Well, for me, I really don't like seeing myself on screen either, and it's, um, it's something I've learned that I kind of have to deal with if I want to, to be able to really appreciate the hard work that, the cast, the rest of the cast and the crew did throughout that. They were all very welcoming to me. I thought it would be very disrespectful for me to not go and see it, not to put my butt in the seat and recline back, eat some popcorn, and watch other chaotic craziness that does happen on screen. Because, like I said, we didn't tackle serious subjects, but this is much more of a dramedy than a hardcore drama. Okay. Well, now, uh, to further speak of cast members, uh, your other cast members are Mira Servino, Michael T. Yeah. Williamson, Brian Van Holt, Ravi Patel, and youngster McKaylee Miller, and Jack Griffo. So what was it like working with uh, Myra? Some people call her Myra, some people call her Mira, and I've heard it both ways. I'll just go with Myra for today. Uh, what was it like working with her and Michael T. Williamson? Because these two are so well established. Uh, honestly, I was trying not to fangirl the entire time, uh, <laughs> truthfully, because uh, I'd grown up watching Forrest Gump. So I knew Michael T. as Bubba, and I, I'm trying not to freak out because that was that's one of my favorite movies, and it's it's like it's an iconic film. So being able to work with somebody who I admire and respect and he actually told me uh, while we were setting up on his first day that he signed on to the movie not only because he's friends with uh, Paul, our director, but because Paul showed him my screen test and he's like, All right, I got to work with this kid. Now that's and impressive. That, I was rolling up. I'm not going to lie. I, I rolled up. I was not expecting to hear anybody comment that because I, I, I am a horrible auditioner um, and I'm a very harsh critic on myself. So hearing somebody go, I want to work with you because of what I've seen you do is very, very heartwarming. And it's very inspiring. To, it's encouraging for me to keep pushing forward in this uh, career. And Mira was very much the same way. I mean, she, she wasn't so much. Like, she didn't, I don't think she saw the screen test or anything like that, but us being able to play off each other was very uh, daunting because, well, she, well, for me at least, because she is an Oscar winner, and rightfully so. But she was also very much uh, nurturing and very motherly towards me because she plays uh, my character's mom. And there was very much a, a familial sense 
and working with her and Brian, who plays my father. Oh, I can only imagine just watching someone that you've admired. Maybe, maybe once upon a time, maybe had a, a fan crush on her when you were like middle school or something or elementary school. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't. I hadn't seen a really a lot of her stuff uh, growing up. It just really wasn't. You know, my necessarily not my cup of tea. I just read, I was going more towards like the blockbuster type things and a handful of indie and the classics. Not necessarily seeing Romy Michelle. I saw Romy Michelle shortly before we started filming, and the very first thing I asked Mira was, "Hey, how's the post-it business?" <laughs> and really hoping she didn't roll her eyes, but I think she was kind of in her in her mind. Oh, God, this dork. Um, but you know, we, we were very friendly, very, very loving, and it was just an all-around great experience working to everybody. So did you guys uh, shoot the film here in Vegas or somewhere else? Uh, no, we, saw, we shot it in Santa Clarita, um, but it, the movie itself is set in Scottsdale, Arizona. Ah, okay, okay. Now, was this uh, film during the pandemic or before everything shut down? Uh, no, this, this was filmed late 2018, right? like between Thanksgiving and Christmas of 2018. And then the whole 2019 plan was just do all the post-production, like rework the voiceovers that we hear in the trailer and stuff like that. And then in 2020, we were supposed to have this big wide release about the festivals. And we premiered CineQuest the week the pandemic was like hitting international news. And we had our first few cases out here in the U.S. So COVID kind of decided to throw 30 billion extra problems on top of the already hundreds of other problems on independent film market. But we're finding pretty great success. We have movie theaters across the country. So anybody who wants to see a movie, wants to see something that's heartfelt and moving and not necessarily some big tentpole production that has iffy CGI. We all know those movies. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't. It's it's independent film. It's a very, I think, pretty reasonable, budgeted independent film. And it it shows we we spent every every penny we had in our budget. We spent to make sure we had the best movie possible. And it is a fantastic movie. Well, this movie has real people dealing with real life situations. Uh, like you said, unlike, you know, the CGI business and, you know, all of that. I mean, that CGI stuff is, it's okay, but I think it's just like overkill on it now. Just, ugh. It, 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 can, it can be, it can be. I, I agree with you on that. But you know, there's, there's an audience for it, and I, I love those movies too. I'm not disparaging those at all, but I'm just saying my movie is better right now. Yes. You should go buy a ticket. <laughs> exactly. Galaxy you gotta wait a couple weeks for gotta wait a couple weeks for all these other blockbusters. Let's go see a new movie. That's right, Galaxy Cannery fourteen. Just go, show up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a great theater, and um, I wish I wish we had more theaters out here in Vegas, but unfortunately, we just got the one. So we're we're filling it up pretty consistently. So please get your tickets soon and reserve your uh, spot as soon as you can. Well said. Well spoken. Well, before we let you go, we got to find out what was it like for you growing up here in Las Vegas? Uh, literally, I, mean, I got here when I was 15 turning 16. So 
I was much older than, you know, most people who randomly move to another town typically are. Um, and I was kind of isolated. And it's uh, kind of my fault because I'm a very uh, reserved person. I don't really like coming out of my shell too much. Um, acting is basically one of the few ways I do. And I didn't really discover that until I think the start of senior year when I started creating the theater class in high school out here at Coronado, um, which I miss Burroughs. If you're listening, thank you so much for the teachings. Appreciate it. It's helped. But yeah, it, it's, it's been, it's been a pretty good time. I, I've enjoyed my time in Vegas. I haven't had any real hardcore negative experiences out here. It's always been kind of a, it's either very positive or just kind of a, eh, it's another Tuesday type of thing. Yeah, I've only been here going on three years, and even though the bulk of my visit, my living here, pandemic shut down everything, like you were saying earlier, but I just find that a typical Monday, Tuesday in other cities in Vegas is bright and sunny. It's just a different vibe to it. It's For me, at least, it's not the Monday Monday morning blahs. It's like, oh, it's a Monday morning, but I'm in Vegas. Hey, deal with that. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. There, there, there's somewhat of a spectacle out here that it's it's hard to understand and explain and put into words to anybody who hasn't lived out here. Yes, for sure. Definitely so. So you graduated Coronado High School? I did, I did. Okay. Back in uh, 2014. Okay, so... Have you heard from uh, any of your former classmates who've, who've seen you as an actor now, or what? Um, I've, I've had a couple likes and comments on a few posts on social media, but I don't have a lot of contact with a lot of people from high school. Like, I had a very small um, friend group, so my friends were very much aware that I was already in this movie, so they, and they've, they've seen it because I've sent them links to the film fest to get them their access so they can see it. Um, before anybody else. Um, but, you know, those are people, former co-workers, former classmates, who I'm sure are going to be very surprised when they get their tickets and go, oh, I, I saw that, I sat behind that guy in history class. And that was you. <laughs> that was you. Yeah, I, 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 I hope they reach out, because I think mm-hmm. it'd be very cool to interact with people again. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a friendly person. I'm just very reserved. Well, to further speak of reaching out, uh, social media, Instagram, TikTok, how can people reach out to you? Uh, you can reach you can reach out to me on Instagram and TikTok uh, and Twitter even. It's all the same username, Alex Kirsting 104 Okay, 104. Does the 104 have any significance or did they just assign that number to you? Uh, there's a lot of Alex Kirstings on social media, and I just kind of kept that username going to figure makes the most sense to keep it the same throughout. Yeah, uh, every, that makes sense. Better be somewhat uniform than uh, just random things that's all over the place. Yeah, I oh my goodness, you have no idea. We run into guests, and they will have these long, complicated Instagram handles, and it sounds like, you know, a mystery code to unlock the secrets of the pyramids or something. It's just like, dude, yeah. I just want your Instagram handle. That's it. Just like, ugh. But, okay, before we let you go, what what's next for you? What are you working on? 
Uh, I got a few scripts. Uh, I'm a writer and an actor, so I, I got a few scripts in the pipeline. Working on tweaking and hopefully pitching to people soon. So who knows? You might see another movie that may or may not star me um, down the road. But I also got um, something I shot out here back in September that will hopefully be hitting the airwaves uh, here soon, sometime this year. I can't really go into details because of the NDA. But it's uh, it's a very different character from Better. I'll just say that. Okay. But it's a film. It is a film. It's it, it that film is a it's a comedy, um, and I didn't I didn't have a very uh, lengthy part to it, but I am in it, and it's it, it was very fun. I had a very fun experience on it. Okay, so you said it might be out later this year, and uh, so in the meantime, before that happens, we need people to take care of business for now. Go to the Galaxy Cannery fourteen and have a nice big bucket box of popcorn with butter as you watch the film butter didn't mean the absolutely absolutely get, get some popcorn get that butter on there if you got the extra seasonings hey go for it i don't see why not and take a picture by the poster for me send it send it send it on social media make people you know what movie did you go see and now they have to go see it too because you're going to tell them how awesome it is because there's no denying how amazing this movie is I think that's a good idea. I think I'll do that. Go to the theater, take a picture of the butter poster with the butter poster, and send it to you. Yeah. I think you I'll know, tag that. me on social media. You can tag the you can tag the movie on social media. You can you can tag any of the other actors because Mira Sorvino is on Instagram as well. You can tag all these people that you you you've either grown up or seen. Uh, on TV, on movies, it's we have an amazing cast, and them seeing and hearing all the feedback is absolutely amazing. It's a great feeling. That's another second good idea. Do all the tag work. Okay, Mr. Alex, thank you so much for the chat, giving us some back scenes, behind the scenes, I should say, information on the making of butter and uh, about yourself as well growing up here in sunny las vegas so thank you so much for your time well thank you so much for having me okay so we will uh, hopefully talk to you next project when it's out later this year i i, I look forward to it okay take care then bye-bye uh, bye-bye Okay, thank you so much again, Alex. Uh, I think I'm going to go see this movie as soon as the show is over today. Once again, the movie is called Butter. And our guest who just got off the phone with us uh, is one of the principal stars of the film. It's uh, playing currently, again, at the Galaxy Cannery 14 right here in Las Vegas. and. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a, 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 a well, I'm going to say fun movie. It's about, well, like he said, it's a dramedy, dramedy. And so we hope to have uh, Alex back on the show when he does his next project. We would be more than happy to have him on because like I said, it's very rare that we actually got a guest who is from Las Vegas or, or born and raised here when Alex's case, he grew up here. But anyway, uh, the movie again is called Butter and Alex stars as Butter and the film is playing right now as we speak at the Galaxy Cannery 14 Theater.
Okay, let's move right on to our next guest. He, uh, actually, it's two guests. They'll be calling in shortly. So let me hurry up and tell you about them. Uh, we're going to be talking with Joe Morton, actor Joe Morton, and um, Tracy Moore. So I'll tell you all about them. They are the host of a new series that is running currently on Crackle. I am a big fan of Crackle. Who has Crackle? You can download Crackle. It's free. You can see all kinds of really cool movies. Totally free. Crackle. crackle Crackle.com. But anyway, this is a new show. It's a new series that spotlights uh, some of the world's leading household name uh, African-American actors and actresses. Uh, And what it does, it reflects on how... their race has affected their journey to success in the entertainment industry. The name of the show is called Inside the Black Box, and it's a 10-episode series, so you can just binge, start binge-watching it like I've already started doing. And uh, so anyway, Joe and uh, Tracy are the host, co-host, or actually host, host. They're both equal billing, host. So Joe is an Emmy Award-winning uh actor, NAACP Image Award winner for his supporting role uh, in uh, Shonda Rhimes's hit show, Scandal. And he is also known for his work uh, on the show Eureka, for which he received an NAACP nomination for directing. Uh, he's also um, starred in Justice League, The Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and so many other films and television shows. And Tracy, Tracy Moore, she's a leading celebrity acting coach. She's a casting director and a producer. And she has worked with some of the top A-list actors such as Kerry Washington, Common, Missy Elliott, Lala Anthony, and just so many, many others. So these are two more than qualified people to host this new show on Crackle. Again, it's called Inside the Black Box, and it gives gives, uh, you know, very uh, intimate interviews with leading uh, actors and actresses of color in Hollywood, and just have them open up as to express how uh, being a person of color, how it has affected their career in a good way, a bad way, or a combination of both. Because it's, it's all of that, and then some. So let's, uh, I see where they are. It's, they're on. Okay, let's bring them on board right now to hear more about the brand new show that they are hosting. Again, the title is Inside the Black Box with uh, Joe Morton and Tracy Moore. Let's bring them on right now. I'm Joe and Tracy online. Well, hello, Joe and Tracy. Pleasure to chat with both of you this afternoon. And good morning to you as well. Okay. Good morning. Okay. Hello again to uh, each one of you. And uh, we'll just jump right in here since we have such limited time. Uh, You two are the host of this new interview series on Crackle Inside the Black Box. And uh, it reads like it's it's very fascinating look at some of our favorite uh, celebrities. So take it from there and just uh, give us an insight as to what this new show is all about. Well, Inside the Black Box is about um, people of color expressing themselves from a really truthful place and talking about their obstacles and challenges that they incurred on their journey in entering into the business. Um, 
what was a tipping point for me was um, as a casting director, um, a, a white director said to me in a session, um, can you ask that black man to be more ghetto and more urban? And that was really a tipping point early in my career where I felt like we needed to discuss these uncomfortable conversations because that's insulting and I'm not going to do that. And so um, talking among my, ourselves and my fellow colleagues, it wasn't going anywhere. And so I felt like we needed a platform for other people to hear our stories, know of our stories, and to be encouraged and motivated by it, not give up and, and feel like it was impossible because change needs to be made for black people and people of color in terms of a budget, green light positioning, um, telling more of our stories. And then the other side of it is to showcase this amazing talent that would never get an opportunity to be in front of our guests um, like Norm Nixon or Tony Award winning Tanya Pinkins, um, casting directors Kim Williams and Leah Daniel Butler. So I think that um, in creating this show, um, it, it really was something that's important and it, it causes a shift and a change in, in the mindset of the entertainment business so that we can be broader and, and more inclusive. And so how many episodes are, are already slated for, for uh, this show? Um, we've already, we opened on um, February 17th uh, on Crackle TV, uh, which, you, which your listeners can get for free. Um, there are 10 episodes, so you can either binge all 10, uh, they're an hour apiece, binge all 10, or watch them one at a time, or two at a time, however you wish. Um, it's, it's as, as Tracy said, it's, it's a wonderful sort of um, glimpse into the lives of these celebrities talking to aspiring actors uh, giving them all the paths that they should or should not be able to, uh, to follow in order to create careers in this business. And so was it, uh, it, was it any what uh, of a challenge to get some of these uh, celebrities to really open up and express how they felt? Because, you know, this is a very touchy-feely topic, as of course, but was it, was it, I mean, did you guys let them know ahead of time, we really need for you to open up and express yourself about the various topics? Or, or how, was, how did that go? I mean, from um, the very beginning, okay. we, we decided to look for a streaming platform where there, there would be very little censorship. Um, a lot of the people uh, that came onto the show, uh, both Tracy and I have um, wonderful friends, and so we um, talked to them about what the show was going to be and asked them would they be able to come on and made it very clear that this was going to be kind of a, an open-ended session, that this is, not about, um, this is not about coming on and talking about your new project or your new movie, your new book, your new TV show. This really is... Um, a in-depth look at what it means to be a person of color in this business. Okay, and so so far, what has been, or has there been any kind of feedback at all from non-African American people in the industry? What what have they been saying about the series? I, I think the first thing that, um, in my experience, um, is that there they cannot articulate the feeling or the energy. They describe it as energy. They describe it, there's something that they cannot touch upon. And for me, I think it's what Joe and I create. 
Joe talks about creating this safe haven. In order for people to talk, they need to trust you. They need to feel comfortable. And even though we had an audience and we had a live crew, we were still able to create that space on stage. And so um, I think for people um, who are not people of color, it is opening up this awareness like um, George Floyd opened up an awareness. Um, we as people of color and black people, we know these issues. We've lived with this our entire lives, most of us. So um, for there to be a shift in consciousness or wokeness, however you want to describe it, um, I feel like my experience has been um, they didn't know this existed or they didn't know how many there were uh, more than five African-American casting directors in the whole entire entertainment industry. So there's education and there's also uncomfortable conversations that needs to be had because that's the only way we're going to move and change. I think that if you're not a black person or a person of color, you don't understand our experience. I always say you're hypothesizing. But in order to really understand our experience, I think, one, if you're not a person of color, that you have to listen. I think listening is so important, and that's why this platform is great, to have our guests come on, feel comfortable, tell their stories, and bring an awareness to people at large so that there is a change to be made. Plus, I think the universal in the, the universal in the show is that we really could be talking about any business and dealing with almost any ethnicity, ethnicity uh, and or gender. I mean, I think that basically there are young people in the world who are trying to enter whatever business that they that they want to enter, and it's always great to hear from folks who have been there already. Who are, who are willing to sort of mentor you inside or, or open a door for you or, or give you a path to follow. Um, I think that's true in any situation. The specifics here, yes, we're talking about people of color, but the universal is that no matter what we're talking about, we're all basically human. I think that another good aspect of your excuse me series is that it shows famous people, very famous household name people of color are also currently or in the past have had to deal with these um, ah, racial discrepancies, I guess is for lack of a better phrase here. Uh, but it shows the viewer that they are not alone. If they are a, a person of, of color of whatever race or gender that they in their everyday lives people who are famous have to deal with some of these same issues, and I think your show does a very good job at that. Well, I also think, too, that it's important that people know, and I, and, and I feel that um, this, especially for my friends who are not in the entertainment business, that acting is a job. It's a real job. It's, you know, you don't go <laughs> yes. to college and graduate from college, and it's tangible. It's like, okay, here's your four-year contract on Grey's Anatomy. It doesn't work like that. It is a journey that requires patience, that requires perseverance. And you have to be a visionary as well. If you don't see it, then it's not possible. So you have to, like 18 years, you have to hold the vision. You have to hold the vision, regardless of the noise, regardless of the negative feedback. Just hold that vision, and, and dreams will come true. They do. 
Well, thank you to both of you, Tracy and Joe, and for, for saying that this is a job and it's not just glitz and glamour and red carpet. That's for one thing. But thank you to both of you no. for sharing behind the scenes uh, information about your new series, Inside the Black Box, that is currently running on Crackle. I am a longtime uh, subscriber to Crackle, so this is right down my alley when it came out. So thank you, both of you, and have a great weekend. <laughs> Thank you, you too. Thank you so much. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone will be right back after this. Okay, I understand that we have our next uh, two guests on board here. I'll just quickly tell you a little bit about them. Both of them are two very very talented best-selling authors. We're talking about Danielle Clayton and Sona Charapotra, and they are the co-authors of uh, Tiny Pretty Things, which is now a Netflix series. Have you guys seen the uh, Tiny Pretty Things on Netflix? Well, if you haven't, if you're a fan of the show, we're about to talk to both of the very talented ladies who created uh, the book, which is now, of course, a Netflix series. And they are back. We'll be talking to them about their latest book. It is titled The Rumor Game. And it is, uh, oh my God, you know how these ladies write. It is, it is, it kind of leaves you on the edge of your seat. It's, it's really a social thriller. But this time it is set, uh, in the world. It takes place in the world of a very preppy, posh, prep school uh that is on the in the suburbs somewhere of the washington dc the real the real frumpy elite circles of washington dc and uh like i said this is a really just kind of hangs by your fingernails of a of a of a book here and so i just know i'm going to ask them uh, will this, has it already been talked about to uh, become a Netflix series or maybe a Netflix movie? But the core of the book focuses on three characters, very different characters, and they are all a part of this very posh prep school. And that's where things get a little bit crazy because the book, um, the theme line explores how one single rumor has the power to ruin the lives of many. And in addition to that, uh, the book also explores a lot of the problems, unfortunately, the problems that are plaguing our society with, uh, you know, bad social media, rumors, backstabbing, just a lot of bad stuff, bullying, all of that. That's an unfortunate part of our society. So the book does delve into those areas as well. So let's bring on Danielle and Sona to tell us more about their latest book, The Rumor Game, and whether or not Netflix, has have they already decided uh, is Netflix going to turn this into a series or a film? Or Well, let's just find out and see. Let's bring both of these very talented authors on right now to get more details about uh, their latest book, The Rumor Game. Ladies, I have Danielle and Sona on board, and I'm so glad I got the names uh, pronounced properly, thanks to some help there, so thank you. <laughs> okay, well, ladies, you have done it again. You are the co-authors of this brand new book, The Rumor Game. And so, first of all, I want to let everybody know that you ladies are also uh 
Tiny Pretty Things, which is now a Netflix series. Uh, is it too early, to, or is there already talk about the rumor game going that route? Well, we can hope, right? Let's put it into the universe, and I think it hits a lot of the same notes as Tiny Pretty Things, so if people like that, hopefully they'll like this one, too. Okay, well, let's get into the notes that, that uh, this latest book hits. Um, just, uh, again, explores how uh, a rumor, and all of us, why do we love rumors so much? But in this case, in your book, the rumor, how it has the power to really ruin a bunch of lives here. So take it from there and just tell us specifically in a nutshell what the latest book is all about. Is about a rumor and how that rumor morphs and impacts three different girls that go to this DC private school that is home to the students um, uh, or the children of diplomats and political figures. And so, what we wanted to do was show how, with social media, the things that you say about people can snowball, and that snowball effect can cause a chain reaction that has huge consequences. Um, we wanted to open a conversation about how teenagers interact with social media and the dangers of it, but also how one must be careful the things that they say and that the internet is forever and the things that you say about people can really have deep, dark consequences. And that is so true, of course. So um, with the, the target audience of being young adults, um, have you noticed, have either one of you noticed that your writings and your books, are they having any kind of impact on, on your readers? Or what kind of feedback are you getting? Yeah, I think um, we hope that we're always, we're writing fun page turnery thrillers, but there's a lot of meat to them and we're dealing with some really heavy issues on the page, both with Tiny Pretty Things and with this book, um, bullying, eating disorders, um, social media, there's a lot of stuff going on on these pages, and we're trying to address it in a way that is responsible towards this audience. Um, for example, with the mental health issues that come up, and especially with eating disorders, we have a psychiatrist present on the page so that um, kids will realize that there is help available and what sound advice looks like um, when you're dealing with something like that. And we also tried to provide resources in the back of the book for kids to kids and teens to reach out to um, if, if they're having trouble finding that kind of support in their own lives. And a lot of them are having trouble finding that support that's present on the page, but also we just see it in the community. So we're hoping that we can start these conversations and really offer a little bit of guidance without preaching to teens because that's the last thing they want to listen to. Oh, yes. Uh, teens and preaching are two words that should never be used in the same sentence nowadays. Goodness. <laughs> they are not having it. So I was wondering, uh, both of you are very successful in your own rights as uh, individual successful authors. Um, what do you, each of you, what do you like and enjoy the most about writing for a young adult audience? I love it so much. I'm obsessed with it. I am a former teacher and librarian, and so this is 
these are my folks. I love and feel like it's an honor and a privilege to write for young people because we get to be part of growing imaginations. We get to be part of helping a kid figure out who they are and where they're going. And, and maybe we can light a spark of imagination and show them that they can be writers too or that they can do the thing that they want to do. So I love writing for this age group. It's going to really suck to write for adults. I mean, because teens will really go into the drama with you. They'll go down to go through any rabbit hole, and they will really deep dive and give their opinions as they're forming them on anything you put in front of them. And I love that kind of that kind of thing. Um, so I'm obsessed with writing for for teens and for young people. I think it's an honor. Okay. Well, you do it very well, both of you here. So how did the two of you come together to start being a, a dynamic duo as far as uh, releasing these books? Did you already previously know each other? Did you go to school together or, or neighbors? Or how did this, all, this collaboration happen? So Danielle and I met the first day of our Master's of Fine Arts program uh, in creative writing for children and young adults at the new school and um, we started out trading pages of our own work and things like that and sharing cupcakes and pizza and then we uh, started talking about just our lives and our our own stories and she mentioned that she had worked at a ballet academy in the dc area and she wanted to write something about it and at the time i was um, a journalist writing a lot of celebrity content so i was interviewing the cast of Pretty Little Liars pretty frequently, and I had suggested she do something that had that thriller aspect of that with the, the girls um, unraveling a mystery, and, and then we just decided to collaborate on it, and that's sort of how we got together. And I think Rumor Game echoes a lot of the elements that Tiny Pretty Things and Tiny Broken Pieces had, so hopefully if readers like that, they'll, they'll like this as well. Now, both of you have had uh, book projects that Netflix just seems to love you both uh, that are have become Netflix series and such. So um, whenever Netflix takes over to do it, I won't say take over, but whenever they develop uh, the book into television series or, or movie, how are you, are you ladies a part of the making process, the, the development process? So how does that work? Depends from, it's different from author to author, right? So for our first adaptation for um, Tiny Pretty Things, we weren't involved. We uh, were watching alongside the other audience. We did get to go to the set and meet the actors and everything, um, but we weren't involved in, in that one. Some of our other author friends are more involved, but I think it just changes from um, project to project. It was still so cool and so surreal to be able to go and see a, uh, it felt like a dollhouse made from our imagination and to meet our characters in the flesh, meeting actors that embody them. So, and seeing a translation of our work, which each medium has it different. You know, the book is the book, the TV show is a TV show, a film is a film, um, but it was fun nonetheless. But um, it ebbs and flows based on a lot of different factors, whether or not you're you're involved. They have a team of writers' rooms, you know, like and, and writers that are breaking apart the story and, and infusing some of themselves into your work. So for TV, that's usually how it works. And so finally, what's next for both of you? Are you co collaborating again, or do you have individual projects that we can look forward to? 
Uh, so the immediate future, we're definitely working on individual projects. My next book is called How Maya Got Fierce. It comes out in July. It's another YA contemporary. I pitch it as The Bold Type Meets Younger. And it's about a 17-year-old girl who gets her dream job at Fierce Magazine, but her editors think she's 26. And her parents don't know about it, so she's going to be in big trouble. Yes. And it just draws from my own experience as a magazine journalist for the past 15 years. So it's going to be super fun. It sounds and, and my next book comes out in May, and I'm super excited about it, May 3rd. It's called The Marvelers, and it's the future of magic school. It's where the kids of the world have magic and they're all going to a magic school in the sky um, and practicing their various magical traditions and it's about sort of like how do you come together when everyone practices a different kind of magic and what kind of mischief and hijinks come out of that. So I'm very excited. Oh, both projects sound very much uh, fun. Uh, I'm not exactly a young adult, but I'll take the adult part, and I can't wait to see. I, I, I just love it when I hear talk to authors and their projects become films or, or TV series, and so just so congratulations on both of you for the success that you have, and hey, we'll look for these new projects this summer. So thank you, ladies, both for chatting with us this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Okay. Bye. Yes, check out Joe and Tracy's new show, Inside the Black Box, on the Crackle Channel Network. I love Crackle. I've been a member of Crackle for a very long time. So, okay, that moves me on to our final guest here. I am so, I've, I've been waiting to talk to this guy for like several weeks. I can't wait. I'm talking about Jeopardy champion Austin Rogers. Now, he's not just a Jeopardy champion. No, he is 12-time Jeopardy champion Austin Rogers. And for those of you who are long-time Jeopardy fanatics, Jeopardy addicts. I'm just not quite smart enough to do Jeopardy. I'm sorry. I can do bits of pieces of Jeopardy. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a Jeopardy wannabe contestant. Yeah, that's me. Um, but Austin is an in, in, in all around, all around. He's, I mean, he's won it 12 times. He is, uh, now has a new book out. It's called The Ultimate Book of Pub Trivia by the Smartest Guy in the Bar. And that's Austin Rogers, of course. And it is the, the quintessential trivia guide for people who love the show, who are very good at trivia and like hanging out in pubs. This is it. This is for you. It has over 3,000 questions that are sorted into more than 300 rounds of very well-balanced and smartly you know, if Austin did it, they're smartly curated quizzes, just bring you hours and hours of drinking, having fun and doing your thing at the pub at the trivia, you know, on that trivia thing. So um, some people are calling this book the pub trivia Bible. I would agree with that. I'm totally in agreement with that. So we're waiting for Austin to dial in. I can just tell you, uh, for those of you who know the show, you know about Austin. Again, he's a 12 time Jeopardy uh, champion. He's uh, won over $400,000 over 12 straight, count them, 12 straight wins. And he's done the Tournament of Champions. Uh, he is also, he hosts this 
this uh, pub uh, event in one of the most famous bars, pubs in New York. We'll get more into that uh, later when he gets on. A bartender host, highly popular. Again, it's New York City quiz pub, quiz night at this pub. And um, Austin, he just rules it. I can't wait for him to come to Vegas again, because I would love to talk to him uh, in a... Vegas is full of pubs and bars. What better thing to do than to have this guy hanging out with him in a Vegas pub or bar? So again, the book is The Ultimate Book of Pub Trivia by the Smartest Guy in the Bar, Austin Rogers. And we are looking at our blinking line and we have him on board right now. Let's get to Austin. Can't wait for this one. I'm lying with Austin Rogers. Please go ahead. Well, hello, Austin. How are you this afternoon? Great, Janice. I am doing fine. Oh, that's very good. That's very good to hear that you are doing fine. Well, let's just jump right in here, Austin. The Ultimate Book of Pub Trivia by the smartest guy in the bar. And I take it that's you, of course, right? I believe it is me, or at least it's implied by the title, followed by my name at the bottom of it. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Austin, you have an an incredible book and an incredible career. You are a 12-time Jeopardy! champion. And now you have this book. Do you ever have people challenge you when you go to bars? Like, oh, yeah, you think you're so smart. You know, one of those type of people or what? Uh, not particularly, you know, typically when I walk into a pub trivia that I'm not hosting and, uh, attended by others, they go, Oh my God, is it you? And I go, yeah. I'm like, are we going to lose? I'm like, probably. Um, but you're probably going to lose just because of statistics. I might come in second, but you're definitely going to lose to me. Uh, but then the other, the other brand is when I'm at the bar and someone comes in and it's always a middle-aged gentleman of a particular age be like, well, I've got something to stump you, buddy. And then they proceed to ask me one question about their one segment of expertise in life that obviously I know nothing about because I don't study 19th century photo technique like you do, bro. God, Austin, you're brutal. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay, so this book came about, did it come about because you are a 12-time Jeopardy champion, or, or is this the kind of book that you would have written even if you've never appeared on Jeopardy? No, this is 100% due to the uh, the moderate, the modicum of notoriety I achieved on Jeopardy. I would never have been able to write a book like this without that kind of support. Now, that said, would I have been able to write a book like this uh, without that kind of support? Yes, because I've been writing and hosting pub trivia for 15 years. So I've got... Uh, you know, uh, 85,000 original questions written. So all I had to do was compile them down to form the, uh, the backbone of the content of this book. Now, we are based here in Las Vegas. Of course, Vegas has all kinds of pubs and bars, some of the best in the world. Do you have any particular pubs and bars here in Vegas? Or do you come here and, and play your, your sport or what? Uh, I have to say that uh, one of the best sushi meals I've ever had in my life was in uh, Las Vegas. 
It was an omakase restaurant uh, in in Las Vegas, well off the strip, uh, sort of behind the palm in that area. And um, I got to say, it was one of the best sushi meals I've ever had on earth. Uh, and I, uh, if I would look, I could look up the name of the restaurant to give them a plug, but I don't have it handy right now. But it was spectacular. Oh, uh, otherwise, nice. yeah. Usually, when I'm in Vegas, I'm in and out because I've usually got an event or something along those lines. Uh, but I do love the town. I think it's amazing, and I like a friend of mine used to live in Las Vegas. And whenever I go visit him, we go to all the well outside of town uh, bars where only locals went. And I think the greatest thing about going to a bar in Las Vegas is everyone's in the trenches with one another together in the customer service bar entertainment industry. So, like, you go into a local bar in Las Vegas, and someone will be like, I got a round for the whole bar. And then someone else will be like, I got a round for the whole bar. Because everyone knows that everyone in there just went through the tourist trap ringer of working in Las Vegas. <laughs> so when you're at home in your local bar, everyone's like, we were all in the war together. <laughs> that's, that's a very good and interesting way of looking at it. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> oh, my God. Well. Okay, your book is a lot of fun. Uh, you've got these different categories in, in, for quizzes, pop culture, sports, trivia, historical information. What is there one particular category uh, in your book that you particularly love and excel in? I mean, you're good at all of it, but any personal favorites? Well, it's not so much that because I'm not writing this for me. I write categories for things I want to learn about but things I want to learn about that I think will be also interesting to others. So like every other category in the bar, in the book, uh, the pub trivia book is before and after, which is super fun because you can run a gamut of clues because it's a word joining together another word. So one half of the question can be about pop culture, and the second half of the uh, question could be about sports. That way it could give maybe, you know, a couple, uh, you know, a couple, a guy and a girl who, like, uh, have totally different interests outside of each other, a way to get together. Or a group of colleagues who don't hang out when there's a history question and a language question all lumped together and before and after. And they have to work together to find that word in the middle that conjoins the whole thing. I think that's pretty exciting. I understand that the late, great Alex Trebek described you as being, quote, outside the box, completely different from what many viewers expect. Were you, I mean, were you ever in strong contention of being uh, a Jeopardy host, the next host, or what? Oh, we don't know what happens in all of that production world. Uh, I never got the phone call, but that's perfectly okay. Uh, I would have excelled at it because I think they think I would have uh, sweared a lot, to swore a lot to start. But I do know when I'm on camera and I do know when to behave. And also, I have been hosting uh, Trivia for 15 years. So I've definitely got the voice for it. If I know, I would never do that voice. Uh, no, hey, it's up to them. That's totally cool. I'm just honored that people uh, went around on social media and thought I was in the conversation. That is really, really special for me. So were you a Jeopardy fan in college and high school? And because Jeopardy has been on forever. I mean, how did you first get introduced to Jeopardy? 
childhood, I absolutely was. But then I sort of fell off in college and my young adult life because of college and young adult life. I was an events planner first out of college. So I was working 12, 14-hour days. There was no TV. There was no TV of any sort. There was no movies. I did nothing. I didn't have pop culture in the 2000s. Uh, and then I worked in advertising. Yet again, even though I got out of advertising late, but I got, still got out of advertising at like, you know, 7.45, 8 o'clock at night. So, no, I did not watch Jeopardy. I'm a New Yorker. We don't have time for that stuff. No, you really uh, don't. Then... I did make sure I took that the uh, annual online test, though, because I still loved the show. Even though I didn't watch it, I still loved it. And sure enough, um, I eventually got one of those auditions, and it got me on the show. And then everyone goes, do you watch Jeopardy? I go, no. And they go, well, why do you want to be on it? I'm culturally aware of it, okay? Okay? I know it exists. Just because I don't watch it doesn't mean I don't want to be part of it. Well, you are definitely a part of Jeopardy pop culture trivia yourself now, uh, because you are yourself a, a, a Jeopardy question. You know, you are. Whether you, yeah, <laughs> you I hope are. I hope one day I get my own Jeopardy question. So let's uh, let's let's go for that, Janet. Let's exceed yeah. Jeopardy fame so that I can get my own Jeopardy question. Get your own Jeopardy question. Yes. Uh, how would you fr- what, what how would you want that phrase? Your own Jeopardy question. Oh, um, let's see. Well, right now, I would love it to be like uh, this bartender and former contestant on this very show recently published the ultimate book of pub trivia by the smartest guy in the bar. Available at your local bookseller now. Oh, Austin, what a wonderful shameless plug. But it works. It so works. You know what, Austin? I think you should turn your book into a TV show. Why not? Well, I have filmed a television pilot for a game show that is currently in circulation, so hopefully we'll get that going. Yay! All right. Okay. Well, if that happens, I would love for you to come back. I would love for you to come to Vegas and we do a chat in a pub or a bar. I would love that. I would love to, too, Janice, because I haven't been to Vegas in quite some time, so that would be uh definitely a joy. Well, we are here waiting for you. And while we are waiting for you to arrive, we're just going to run out and get the ultimate book of pub trivia by you. Austin Rogers, the smartest guy in the bar, maybe even the smartest guy in the world. Hmm. You never know. Ah, Don't push it. (laughs) Well, for now, we'll take that bar and pub. How about that? Well, Austin, thank you so much. You've been such a delight to chat to, and I really am enjoying your book. I think I want to keep it. I want it's a guy I want to give it to as a gift, but I want to keep it. I guess I'll have to buy his for, for a gift. But this uh-huh. is, give it to the give it to the guy. Give it to the guy. Okay. Pass it on. Pass it on. Okay, I'll pay it for it. But thank you so much, and I'd look to see you on the strip in Vegas for our next interview. How about that? Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Okay, have a great weekend. All right, bye, Janet. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. We had too much fun. You can tell. I can't wait for Austin to get to to Vegas. Uh, Yeah, we're going to meet on the corner of gambling and winning. So. 
We're going to have a lot of fun. But anyway, maybe we can do a whole show with uh, Austin on location somewhere. That'd be so much fun. But anyway, thank you to Austin and all of our guests for being on this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. And you too, the listeners, of course. Don't forget, next Saturday, we will have a new time slot. It will be from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific time. So I'm going to be there waiting for you. So let's see you next Saturday. Have a great weekend and we'll see you next Saturday. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Mm-hmm.